Welcome back to the Toffee Blues podcast, your source for all things Everton. The end of another fairly eventful week, if not full of games, as December has been. Uh, coming up for you today, uh, we've got our extra time from Sheffield United. Um, then I'm going to be joined by Terry McAllister to talk about the January transfer window. We're going to go through a few of the players we've been linked with and do a West Ham match preview. Uh, it will just be me and Terry as well today, so there will be no Toffee Blues end of podcast quiz. But we thought we'd just start off quickly by... Mentioning the City game, of course, there was a slight bit of controversy around it and I, I couldn't be with a man who's more embroiled in it himself um, other than Terry McCarster. I'm not sure if any of you follow him on Twitter. You definitely should. He's uh, had, had quite an interesting tweet this week talking about, uh, of course, the postponement it was announced today that City have confirmed five cases, no more. They were all back into training. wasn't quite the outbreak that was originally suggested, but it's all been blown overboard. Basically, Everton came out in a statement saying, you know, we wanted to be involved in the discussion. For some reason City fans took that to heart. Um, but Terry, what were your thoughts on that whole situation, just very briefly? It was it was strange, wasn't it? It was um you know, it, the day of the game and start rumours started going around that oh the, the city game might be off. And at first I thought, why? Because of like the weather or something? Like as it snowed a little bit, hadn't it? But it wasn't heavy or anything. Um it snowed in Liverpool. I just realised you you're not here, so <laughs> maybe you wouldn't have known. <laughs> It snowed a little bit, like a small amount. And at first, I thought that's what it was. And then it came up very quickly that there'd been an, um, a COVID outbreak in um, the city, you know, in the city camp. And my reaction to that was, OK, that's fair enough. Must be quite bad for them to call off a game or to postpone a game. Because I remember seeing articles in September um, saying that if you can feel 14 outfield players, then you've got to play. Like usually on the 23s, we won't be caught, we won't be rescheduling games because of the because of the schedule. It's too packed. So I thought, Jesus, it must be bad for City if they get if we're having to postpone. They must have had all kinds. And then, you know, no complaints. Like you don't want Everton players to be playing against, you know, a team which could have, you know, COVID and you know, uh, you know, players that could have COVID because then it spreads to us. And I thought, fair, fair enough. Um, but then it starts to come out that oh. Man City and the Premier League have together made the decision a couple of hours before the game. It wasn't like something that we were just learning about that had been decided the day before. It was, you know, it was happening. It was very much a fluid like scenario. And Everton hadn't been involved in it. And it then came out even further that it might not have met the threshold that was previously established for COVID and infected players. So then, it, you know, it saw Everton turn around and say, well, you didn't, you know, involve us in this decision. Can you tell us what's gone on? Because, frankly, reading between the lines, I think Everton want to know if City refused to play. Because if that's the case, they've got grounds to ask for the points. Um, because City can't, you know, shouldn't be allowed to refuse to play if they're not meeting the criteria of, of you know, the amount of players available to field. We don't know whether that is the case, but since we don't, we don't know what is the case at all. And it's since come out um, today that um, City have had around, you know, no new cases um, when tested it two days later. So it does appear that it was only five players, two on Christmas Day and then three further. Um, 
prior to the game. So if that's five players out, that doesn't meet the previous criteria to cancel to reschedule the game. So Everton well within the rights to go. Um, what's going on here? This is not strictly with the rules that we we all agreed upon at the start of the season. And obviously, as you, as you touched on, I I saw on Twitter a lot of Man City fans got the got the hump with Everton saying we'd like to know what's going on because you know a lot of City fans seem to think they you know they they too you know do you know who we are kind of attitude now like you know big famous you know super club now you know smaller clubs in quite inverted commas um, should you know shouldn't be asking the Premier League for th- you know for explanations like um just remember you're not one of the biggest clubs in the league one of the most successful now but yeah you're not that big where you can just you know steamroll over other clubs like that's what Real Madrid that likes doing you know in La Liga and Sorry, City aren't that, and it shouldn't happen even if they were. Yeah, the, the club are definitely well within their right to kind of release a statement that they did saying they wanted to be involved in the discussion. Don't get me wrong. I think I, I understand if there was a proper COVID outbreak, of course, you'd, you'd want to call off the game uh, or you'd want to postpone it anyway, because, I mean, if it happens to us on top of an injury crisis, that would be a disaster. But it does seem, obviously, the recent news is that it, it wasn't a complete crisis. There have been other clubs, I think, David Moyes isn't impressed now with how um, West Ham didn't have to postpone their game with an outbreak. Um, it's all got a bit of a mess, to be honest. I don't want to go into it too much. Um, if you want to watch kind of a few more, uh, a more broad discussion even on it, um, James and Paul did a video on the channel where they did a live stream that's now up on the channel. They went into a bit more detail, but yeah, that game was postponed. Not not the end of the world for us, of course. We were playing games thick and fast. We're still going to be playing games thick and fast in January, but it will give a slightly extended break. Um, of course, West Ham coming up on uh, New Year's Day on Friday. So that's basically it. Just a quick discussion there about City. Um, do let us know your thoughts on Twitter, what you think about the postponement. We'll have to see if anything really comes to light about that. There has been a lot of discussion amongst uh, a lot of clubs. People like Gary Lineker getting involved now, talking about where the threshold is for postponement. But that's going to be it for our just quick thoughts on the City game. I'm going to hand over to Stephen now. He is joined by Terry and Owen for the extra time Sheffield United. Uh, then I'm going to be back along a bit later with Terry to talk about a few players we've been linked within the January transfer window and a West Ham preview. So over to Stephen to kick that video off first. Today I'm joined by Terry and also Owen as usual. And we're going to be talking about Everton's 1-0 win over Sheffield United at Bramall Lane last night. Um, Owen, I'll come to you first because it's obvious you want to get your catchphrase in early. Um, how big is that win for us? Yeah, get your um, tabbers out, everyone. It's another episode of Owen Park's bingo. Are you ready? Um, yeah. <laughs> we started off, and you can tell from minute one, despite the fact they've got about two points or whatever, and they're really struggling at the moment with our sort of free-flowing run of injuries. It was another game where the old clean sheet mentality was brought out the um, book um, because from minute one until minute 90, the idea was to not concede the goal and hope we found a moment. We did it. We did it very well. Um, professional job in Sheffield United, I think. Back four again, didn't give nothing away. Weren't as creators as we'd possibly be like, like to be, but look, it's Christmas on a fucking freezing Boxing Day night up in Bramall Lane with the pissing down rain. I'm I'm not complaining at all. Me and Teddy said on the preview, 
who's had the scruffiest, ugliest, vilest one nil win in history. That is exactly what up. we got. The last That's game. the scruffiest possible win because we got that. You say that though, the last win I've ever saw anyone get as ugly as that. And I said in the preview, was Bournemouth beat Burnley about this time last year. When one nil to Burnley, there was about three shots in the game. At about sixty minutes, I thought we'd get something similar to that. Didn't we got through it? We won. And yeah, also delighted we're second in the Premier League on 29 points. But I mean, you wouldn't know about the media reaction to Everton win because Leicester is still in the title race, apparently. So, but we're second. Let's just keep putting our wins on the table and see where it takes us. Yeah, obviously, takes us back up to second. Um, you know, what are we now? Are we two, three, put two points behind Liverpool? But obviously, they're playing. Two They're playing a bit. Sam Masterclass tonight. Yeah, and they obviously haven't played yet. Uh, Terry, um, how big's that win? Because that that's massive, isn't it? Yeah, it's it's just it's brilliant. Like, cause we didn't play well. Like that game was an absolute hog of a game. Like, but to be honest, the Christmas week, no one plays their best football. Like, you get you get mad results and you get terrible games to watch, and it's all about just getting the points. Like, even if we had had a fully fit team, I think with the amount of, you know, fixtures and once the games on top of each other, you wouldn't have seen, you know, the, the football that we saw in the first part of the season anyway. Just just through, I mean, let's be honest, Ramez Rodriguez has played in those conditions on Boxing Day. He's a bang the transfer question this morning. <laughs> <laughs> it was just grim, wasn't it? It was horrible. And let's be honest as well, like we didn't play particularly well. We were... You know, we looked like we did in the, the Man United game, you know, barring the, the Madden 20 minutes where we couldn't keep hold of the ball. But the opposition weren't as good as Man United. You know, they, they, they had nothing about them, Sheffield United. And then when, um, you know, when the chance came, we just took it. Like the, the, the big chance, mm-hmm. of the, the big chance that fell our way. And, you know, credit to Sigurdsson, you know, that a lot of people felt like he cost us two points against Burnley when he didn't score. When he was through on goal, well, that wasn't the easiest goal to score last night, and he's you know he slotted it, and he's he's earned us the two points there, and you know he, he wasn't having a good game, but you know he's he's produced when he needed to, mm. and here we are sitting second. It's it, this time of year, I, I don't need to see great football, I need to see points on the board, and that's what we got. Yeah, Gilfie obviously... must, must have known the script for that Burnley game. You don't you don't beat a clean sheet mentality derby. <laughs> So both teams are the own park. Get a point, and then we beat the rest of the move. Just want to play free flowing football. Yes, Sheffield United weren't very good. Um, they didn't have any quality in the final third, and everyone else in the Premier League you can look to, maybe West Brom. They, they have something just to worry you. They have absolutely nothing, and yeah, I'm very confident that they will be in the Championship come May. For most of the game, up until about the last five minutes after we scored, it genuinely looked like 22 men had won a competition to play football at Bramall Lane. That's what it looked like because the quality just was not there for well, 85 minutes. We didn't really need to be because we, we've seen the sort... I was saying to someone before the game that if you put... We're in the top four of the Premier League due to sort of a run with our first eleven. If you put our second sort of team down, what we put out last night, that's comparable to some sides in the bottom half of the table mm-hmm. because there's just not the same level of quality that those of our first team. So I find um, I look at the squads Leicester 
United and Chelsea have. And I do wonder how somehow we found ourselves being able to get in the mix with them. But yeah. there's some really good options that they've got off the bench and in their first team. We don't have that level of options yet, but what we, we make up with it with that kind of spirit we showed yesterday. It's crazy to see us that high in the table around this time of year, especially you've mentioned there about the we've got we've got like zero squad depth in my opinion. I think that's and you say like is that what's gone wrong for us? But nothing's really going wrong for us at the moment, and we're sat in second. Um, but that for me that was the that was the problem because had we had Alan Rodriguez. Uh, Richarlison there last night we would have been about 3-0 up at half time I thought because they were just pretty poor um, Terry what did you make of the performance? Um, well it's just as I said before it's just a needs must performance isn't it like you said then like those play, if those players had been in you'd have seen more goals Rodriguez might have had five goals to himself because they were just you know they were just terrible Sheffield United mm-hmm. weren't they and the only yeah. you know I mean, Owen said they had no threat up front, but I thought the movement from um, Brewster going from Keane's pocket to Mina's pocket was unbelievable. You know, just jumped from one to the other, didn't he? That uh, twenty five million quid on him, bloody hell! That's what they do, isn't it? Like every time Liverpool are selling a player, he's always world class or he's he's world class in the making, and he just can't get in their team. And then six months to twelve months go by, and he's absolutely pony wherever he goes. And no one notices, and then the cycle re- repeats again, and they sell another one for big money. The, the most well-marketed sellers in the in yeah. the league, heads to them, which we were like that. We can't give our shit away, but they they are players who, who are absolutely done absolutely nothing, and they all talk like they're amazing. Some of them buy into it so much that they'll still sit there and tell you now that yeah. this player get a kick for them is quality. Just because I was, I was watching his performance and I thought if I was on that pitch I wouldn't be as bad as him. He was he probably oh, he the was worst centre forward we played up against this season. Um Eddie could have been centre back and he wouldn't have caused him any issues he was that bad. Well my mate said um where he was walking down a touchline, Brewster, and he, he told me after the game that he went to his little brother, uh, his Liverpool family mates going, Oh, here we go, this is nailed on in it, Brewster's gonna come on and score now. And his little brother, who's never been a fan, said he's been on the whole game. He's going off. That's how <laughs> I've actually picked up that Brewster was playing. Twenty-five million pounds credit to Liverpool because they're having money fights yeah. in the office now, like, laughing their heads off. And they'll do it again next summer. There'll be some other crabby that don't play. He'll go for another loads of loads of money, and because Klopp says he's going to be world class, they'll all buy into it and go, "Yeah, he's going to be great." And they'll swindle. Yeah, they got money for Brad Smith. How on earth did they get money for Brad Smith? There's so many over the years that have gone, like Barini. Barini went to as well, didn't he, I think? And that, that wasn't cheap. There's yeah. been so many. Who've, who've, but credit to Liverpool, because they're very good at hyping players up. They're not going to be shite. Um, they're the best best transfer department in the whole league by far. They only ever buy quality and they sell shite, but convince everyone else their quality as well. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> Amazing, isn't it? <laughs> but, um, yeah, that's that's... I was just going to say, I, I just put that down for a while. It was just Eddie Howe being an idiot buying nonsense, but everyone seems to be buying their crap stuff, so I can't just blame it. Yeah, and um, you mentioned the defence there, Terry. I thought, if I'm being honest, I thought Everton were pretty abysmal for going on 90 minutes that yesterday. Um, probably one of 
obviously we won the game and it was it's weird because if that game is a finish nil nil I think there'd be pitchforks and torches out now because um, it's crazy how things like that can go for you. One second of a game where Gilfie Sigurdsson puts the ball in the net and we'll look back on it and go, that was a massive part of our season because if that had finished nil-nil, we'd be having a very different conversation today about which players need to go and which players need to stay and why we're not taking our chances. But we did, and that's the difference. And... um, I think most a lot of it is down to Ancelotti and the mentality he's got. Um, but I thought, you know, you mentioned the defence. I thought the defence were the only players on the pitch who were uh, completely, you know, not at, not at fault for the performance. I thought Mina was good. I thought Keane was good. Godfrey was great again. Who will go on to? Um, even Coleman when he come on did well. Um, but Ben Godfrey again. I mean, we're blue in the face talking about him, Teddy, but he was great again, wasn't he? Yeah, um, I was actually thinking before we came on that to, when you look at our signings of the summer, the ones that grabbed the most headlines were obviously Rodriguez and Allen. Mm. But the signings of Takore and Godfrey are some of the most you know un- low-key but useful signings we've made for years. Like the two of them are just linchpins of the team. Like yeah. them two will be up the spine of the team, I think, for the next two or three years at least. Like, you know, to Corey, you know, he's a little bit older, so you don't know about him. But at the minute, the two of them are just key to how, how we play. And all the defence, like, even when we've not been playing well attacking-wise, like we weren't against Jeff United and, you know, Man United, the defensive shape has been good throughout all the December games. And, you know, owing to the fact that a lot of it is, you know, necessary because we haven't got the attacking, you know, talents available to us at the minute. You know, Luca Dean's chance creation, Rodriguez, what have you. So... Them too, I've just been absolutely, you know, like they, they, you know, God, uh, Godfrey's playing out of position for the start, doesn't look like he is because he's that good at it. And Decore, he's got like a, you know, revolving door of, of partners in the centre of midfield. And it's all the same people who, you know, were terrible in centre midfield last time. So Decore's having to do a lot of the work. But just off that, like, I mean, you say some of the players who stand out, like Decore and Godfrey, obviously. Tom Davis last night was just unbelievable. He was mm. running the game, absolutely running the game against them. And I was like, this is, you know, Andre Gomez is in the mud because yeah. Davies has got to start alongside um, Takore until Allen's fit easily. Yeah, I couldn't believe how good he was, to be honest. And um, he just, he can, like, like 10 or something minutes in when he got the ball and beat about three players on the edge of our box and then won a, won a foul. He, just, he proper surprised me, but... Uh, Decore is the one who people are going to be giving all the credit to. Um, he did great for Sigurdsson's goal, didn't he, Owen? Decore. Yeah, yeah. Put this one in the history books. I thought Bernard did a decent substitute appearance as well. Um, yeah, I, 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 I can't speak more highly of Abdullah Decore ever tried because I remember I put a tweet out. I think it was just after, was it just after the Fulham game or one of one of the games we had during that run. I think we won it though, Fulham. And I said that Abdullah Decore has been by far one of our best players this season. And someone said he hasn't had a good game, he's shite. And when you just know nothing about football and, and proved that he knows nothing about football, he did also say Tim Howard was an Everton legend, which kind of proved me point that he knew nothing about football. But even still, he just there was just this weird agenda for a few weeks about with Decore and it was just absolutely bizarre because he's brilliant. And I, I could tell from when he was at Watford, he was a really good midfielder. And Watford's midfield for a few years with Decore and Kapuwe was just 
incredible, really, that they've not let nothing past him. But yeah, Decore was fantastic again. I think he really helps Tom in the sense that he can be the energy, and Tom can just sort of win those snare fouls and just keep the play going. And yeah, I thought Gilfie did well as well. So where do you think is no... where do you think his future lies, Sigurdsson? Because he was number rough... ten. He's always been a number ten. Because he, because he was pretty rubbish last night, and then obviously he got the goal. He come up with his captain. Sigurdsson was rubbish last night. I thought he was alright. I, no, I mean, I... he didn't play much, but I thought he did alright. I thought he just seemed completely off the pace for the majority of the game. Every time he got the ball, he didn't want to move with it. Um, and I thought it was going to be another one of them Sigurdsson performances, and then he popped up with the goal. So, you know, I mean, my my uh... he's been making a career out of that, though, hasn't he? Yeah, so obviously my and he scores important goals to be fair to him, Sigurdsson. Um and my so obviously my contribution there is pretty unwarranted that you know he, he can play as bad as he wants, but if he scores the winning goal then yeah. I'm not really bothered. Um Bernard oh, as well. Think, well, yeah, going to Bernard. Do you know, do you know what, Owen? And and uh, you've just mentioned it there and I wasn't gonna talk about him. But I thought um and copy these for this one, Owen. I thought Bernard was our best player when he came on last night. He wasn't in the final third. Yeah, I thought yeah, he'd okay. come on and he absolutely changed the game because Anthony Gordon was pretty much lost for the first half. Um, and he came on and he just seemed like he, he was up for it. And he's one of them well, players, think... isn't he? You know what I mean? Yeah, he'll come on, game he'll was... either do nothing game... or he'll do everything. The game was crying out for someone like him, even though I'm not a huge fan of his. I think the, the game was crying out for someone to create something and get on the ball and, and break them down. Andy Gordon was constantly looking for the ball over the top and never really came. Yeah. I mean, he's going to have a tough Premier League career. We can't get the best of George Bulldog, who I don't think was in position or nice. But when Bernard came on, he, he, re- he really did get a grip of the game and yeah, he did well. Normally, it's like these type of games where Bernard just looks even worse when he comes on in a cold yeah. night in Bramall Lane. Off the I bench. can't think. I can't look okay. at him now without thinking of him in that coat at Leicester. That's just going to yeah. be my... Was No matter where he goes in his career, that's going to be my my definitive uh, image of him. Um, yeah, he did all right, yeah. He, no. I would probably start him in the next game. It's a home yeah. game. He does all right, isn't it? Yeah, I don't know if he's... I don't know if he's a start starting material. I think he's more. I, I, then again, no, if Charleston's not fit. Right, you know what I mean? If a Charleston's not fit, then someone's got to play there. Um, going on to the Charleston, Terry. How much did we miss him last night? We always do, don't we? Like you know the, you know, you said then about um, Anthony Gordon. Like everyone was crying out for Anthony Gordon to come in, and the and when Charleston was suspended. And I still stand by that. I think it would have been a more appropriate, you know, like swap out at that time. But it was just the wrong game last night because, you know, you can't go from having actually next to no appearances for months to suddenly going in and being like one of the key players in the squad. Um, We are going to miss him, but I agree with Owen. I'd I'd start Bernard next game just because I, I think the way he played against Sheffield United, he's earned that, you know what I mean? Like, he's, we're going to be playing against Man City, so it's not even as if, um, you know, Gordon gives something particularly extra defensively compared to Bernard. I know Bernard's not the best defensively, but it's not from, you know, it's not from lack of trying. He does, you know, he does track his man, he does press, he does, you know, he does work hard. 
But if he can get on the ball and turn them the other way, like he was doing against um, Sheffield United, that was the main thing. That when because we're going to be defending a lot against Man City, but when Bernard got on the ball, he made the, you know he turned the opposition the other way, and that's what we're going to need against Man City. We're going to need someone who can get the ball and find their own, you know find their man. We don't need someone who can just run directly because I don't think that's going to that's going to work against City. We're just going to be running into their defenders. We need to be a little bit more protective with the ball, and I think that's what Bernard will do. Yeah, and he scored a good goal against United at home, didn't he, when he started that game? Um, yeah. Oh, and the last the last point I want to make, and I'm going to ask both of you, Dominic Calvert-Lewin, because last night I don't think he was fit. Do you think he needs a rest? No, he's played, I think, every game since the um, one of the mm-hmm. cup games. When he I think he was unlucky as well, because I think if Richarlison was, had not got a concussion against United... Um, he wouldn't have been playing last night, Calvert-Lewin, but I think, obviously, Ancelotti's looked at, if if we don't have Richarlison in the team, Calvert-Lewin's our only sort of attacking option. You can't it? get away with none of the front three playing at the no, same time. I, I felt a bit sorry for him last night because he... Yeah, just goes back to me, original point, no, about the lack of squad to... We said lone boys keen and there was no other forward player yeah. coming in to replace him. It's ridiculous, honestly. Moise Keane... I feel it personally, even though he didn't pull up many trees or haven't is a better centre forward for me than Chen Tosin. Yeah, so, I, I agree with that. I'll be even he got he was getting goals towards the end of him. and he weren't great, he weren't vintage, but he was starting to get a run of goals. Obviously the management team didn't just decide that he wasn't for us in terms of what he was given, but if he was getting loans out, someone even if it was a loan had to come in because Dominic Carvalhoon can't play every game until next month. No. He one of these two games now he's going to, he can't play. So and he won't play the Rotherham game, I imagine. So he, he, we need some help in January in terms of forward options. Um he did look tired, I admit. He still could have got a goal, by the way. Yeah, he could have really close. And he that pose better. when that pose when we scored, he just stood there with his arms in the air, which was great as well. It'll, yeah, it'll probably make us grimace a bit, but I probably will throw Tosin in for City. I think we're more likely to be West Ham than Man City. And I think Man City's a game where you play for a nil-nil rather than to win the game. And West Ham, you go throw everything there. Yeah. Um, and you mentioned there, Moise Keane's gone out on loan to PSG. Um, I agree with you that he's a better, a better centre-forward than Cheng Tosin. And um, obviously, he's gone on loan to PSG and he's, uh, he's doing well at PSG. And people will make the argument that P- uh, the, 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 the league one isn't, isn't as good a league. Um, but when you put it into perspective, Moise Keane's gone out on loan to Paris Saint-Germain and Cenk Tosin would be going on a permanent to Besiktas on a free or something like that. That puts it into perspective for me to show you the quality that Moise Keane's got over, to- over uh, Cenk Tosin and why he's a better option. Um Teddy, Calvert-Lewin, what do you think? Well, two things, really, like on, on what you just said there. First, Calvert-Lewin, I, I thought at the time, you know, as soon as Luca Dean got injured, I thought, right, we're going to have an, a goal drought for Calvert-Lewin now because he's a quality finisher, but he doesn't create his own chances. It's just not mm. his game. He, he finishes the chances that you create for him. So when no Luca Dean putting the crosses for him and no... Um, Hamas Rodriguez to create from the other flank, he's going to suffer a goal drought. That doesn't mean he's been playing badly though. He's just we've switched to a very defensive, compact, you know, formation and team. 
um, and that will stifle it forward. But he's still doing his part. He's been unlucky. Um, he scored against Arsenal, or you know, after the fashion, you know, it was an own goal. That volley last night, that had gone in, mate. That mm. had been, there'd have been scenes if that. That would that, have been that. goal, certainly goal of the month, maybe goal of the season for me, at least yeah. for us, because that yeah. that was unbelievable. That would have been unbelievable. The way he took it down was just fantastic. I know it would have been great. So he's still doing his job. He's just, we're just playing a different game now, and it's not conducive to him scoring goals because the creative players aren't there. But he's still, you know, holding the ball up. He's still winning fouls up the pitch. He's still being a target man. And I'm not worried about the, the goals. The fitness wise, you know, he probably, you know, he probably will get rested at some point, and it'll be Tosin. Yeah. But just on Moyes Keane, you're saying like, oh, he's, you know, he's better than Tosin, and. You know, he'd be better to have him there. I, I honestly think the club just made it. They looked at it in the summer and they've made a call. They've gone, right, he is not going to start over Calvert-Lewin. Calvert-Lewin's our man. So we, he's going to be our second choice. He's going to be our bench striker. And every time he's come off the bench, he looks like he's drunk. He, yeah. doesn't, know where, he doesn't know where he's playing. He doesn't know what he's doing. He's all right after decent when you play him in a two from the start, which we're not going to do anymore. And he's not going to get many starts. So as much as he is, you know, Moise Keane is better than Cenk Tosin. I can tell you, both thought I was going to disagree with that then. But see, yeah, I was going to say, I'll end the call right this minute if you say Cenk Tosin. <laughs> but I, I just think him being out and scoring goals at PSG is more valuable to the club than him. Yeah, I I agree with you there, Terry, that it was a good a good um, thing. My issue him. isn't loaning and my issue is not replacing him. Yeah, yeah, I think, you know, if the, I don't, you obviously don't know what was presented to them, what was available in the summer. I would have much preferred, you know, a different striker to Tosin on the bench. Yeah. But I think they've obviously sent Moise Keane out and said, listen, he's young, we'll get money back for him. He's bagging at PSG now. So we'll get our money back or maybe more for him in the summer and we'll spin that round and get a player who suits what we need more. I think yeah, just thought, yeah. we'll have the short campaign of just overplaying Calvert Lewin. Um, for the first, well, hopefully just the first half of the season, because I think, you know, in January, that should be something we look at, whether it's a loan, whether it's a cheap, you know, like pre-contract or whatever, or, you know, like Milik, just someone like that, just or, Milik, I don't know how you say it, but from Napoli. But Tony's linked as well, Terry, what do you think of that? From Brentford. He's only been at Brentford five minutes, he won't leave you. Yeah. They're, it's, they're going for promotion, though. you want him to sell him mid-season. Yeah. I don't think we're going to get anyone... He's young, isn't he? How old is he? I think he's, he's about 24. 21. We're, we're not going to remember. We won't bring in anyone that young because they know they're going to. It's, it's a little bit of the Harry Kane syndrome. They know that Calvert Lewin's going to start every game. I think we'll bring in like a 28 year old with experience who'll come in and like Josh King, someone like that. Or, yeah. or, or like, Phillips. yeah, right, some, 24. Yeah, 24. Yeah. But let's be honest, we're now on, you know, the. We've we've had the Boxing Day game and we're only now starting to say should we rest Calvert Lewin, like and and even then we, he hasn't been injured so we've got away with it we've made that call and you know created that teeth for the first half of the season and it's paid off but now you probably they probably think they don't want to use Tosin they want him gone but they just think you know what and we'll just create that teeth and hope we don't have to use him yeah. there's a reason you haven't seen him coming off the bench for weeks because he's he's not in the plans he's going to go as well and then they'll have a clean slate and they'll just have Calvert Lewin plus another Carlo striker in, in the mould that he wants who does that bench job and does that resting job and it, it could be Josh King 
I mean, that one probably was. I don't even know if he scored a goal in the Championship, though, as much as I did like him in the Premier League. So, well, if he takes all the passes, didn't he? As long as it's not Troy Deeney. Ted, yeah. No, Teddy's made a good a good point there. If it's going to be a, an Ivan Tony or if it's going to be a Josh King or someone like that, they're going to be players that I'd be better playing in a two with Calvert-Lewin. They're, in my opinion, probably just another Moyes Keane type of player. I think the better option would be to go for a ready-made um, European striker, someone like Milich, and that's going to be well, Mike, the better well, option. My well, my suggestion would be Redcorst from Wolfsburg because yeah. he's a, he's a really good striker. He's really tall, clever, knows where the ness is. I think he would do that bench throw. I think you could imagine he's a really good striker. He could probably start to be honest in in some point. But you could imagine if you won down with twenty to go, if you brought him on, and you threw crosses in the box, it's going to be difficult for the. It's reminded me of. Do you remember a couple of seasons when a couple of seasons ago when uh, Harry Kane got a, like a bad injury halfway through the season and Tottenham signed the Arente? It's gonna be it's better than him, It's gonna be that. It's gonna be that sort of thing. We're gonna sign a a ready-made six foot four big big lug to go up front whenever Calvert Lewin's not playing to play against teams like City or to you know to to finish your team off where it's like because obviously last night. Um, Calvert Lewin didn't look. If we had a fully fit, if we had a fully fit Milik in the team, we would have battered them last night. Yeah, I think it's that thing of options again, isn't it? We're just trying to get through games. I'm, I couldn't be more delighted with the three points last night because yeah, of. of the, the, We're going the off on topic because it was just a brilliant win for us last night. It takes us second. It takes us behind Liverpool. We'll be open. Big Sam does the business later. And then oh, um, if he does do, well, I mean, I, they're not going to win, but <laughs> if he don't build himself up, he won't. <laughs> anyway, all right. Terry, imagine how many Holland's pies will be on that West Brom coach on the way over if they win. <laughs> There'll just be tins <laughs> spread across the floor. Anyway, do Holland's pies come in tins or, or is it the other ones? Don't know. Anyway, that's going to be it for this one, guys. Us back on the channel today with Terry McAllister. Uh, today, of course, with the January transfer window coming up, we are going to be talking about a bit of transfer speculation. We've got a list of names who have been linked in the press uh, that we're going to maybe we're going to see whether we're going to keep them, loan them, sell them. Um, there's not too many players that have been linked with an exit. Of course, we do have quite a thin squad at the moment, so it will be quite heavily faced on the incomings. But we will mention a couple of players on our own squad. We're going to start off with kind of the headliner player, I think. Uh, Fabrizio Romano's reported on this. Uh, we know he's out of favour at Spurs with Jose Mourinho. If, if you've watched the documentary, uh, there was a lot of talk in that, and then it's quite clear to see uh, he's not starting as much as he probably would like to at Spurs. So the man is, of course, Deli Ali. Apparently, just Mourinho doesn't favour him. He doesn't like his attitude, and he might be available for loan uh, in January. So, Terry, what do you think about that one? No, it's a no for me. I... I... I did a segment on this when it first came out, same with Owen, and Owen was was pro, Deli Ali, he wanted him. I don't think it's a good fit, personally. Is he a good player? Yeah, he, you know, on his day, he's a very good player, you know, very intelligent, sort of number 10, link the play forward. 
like the, you know the type of number ten that Tim Cale was. He doesn't create all kinds, but his movements really good. He you know he plays well with the, with the striker, but I just don't think it's a good fit for Everton. I think his attitude you see in that Spurs documentary is sort of a petulant, you know, stroppy kid. You don't want that. You want players who you're not going to fight for the cause. Um, that's obviously just my opinion. But then you see the other things which aren't opinion, such as they might not loan them to us because we're in the top four. We're competing for a Champions League place, or at least at the time of recording this, with Spurs. And even if we don't end up there, that's the way Spurs will view it. So there's no way they're going to strengthen a rival. And even if they were going to do that, I don't want to develop Spurs as player for them because we're not going to buy them at the end of it because you know Daniel Levy is not going to give an England an English young player, England international, away cheap. He's he's going to be forty million upwards in price, and we're not going to pay that, and I wouldn't want us to pay it. So I just don't see any upside to to that potential deal. It's a it's a hard no from me. If it were to happen, and I was wrong on all those counts, then. You know, hopefully he does well, but it's I just don't see it on any level. I'd probably have to say I disagree. To be fair, I think with the fact that it is a loan, as you mentioned, Daniel Levy's not going to let him go for uh, on a permanent, you know, for a little amount of money. But I think I would be interested to see if Ancelotti could get a tune out of him. It's clear that Mourinho doesn't favour him. Uh, however, I think that this rumor definitely came up when Sigurdsson was in a poor run of form. Of course, his form has picked up recently because uh, we were looking for that kind of creative midfielder that we didn't have because Gomez has obviously struggled for form over the past season or so. Uh, Sigurdsson wasn't playing well, but I, I genuinely think on a loan deal it wouldn't be the end of the world purely because I mean we'd have you could go into the finances of it, how much of his wages we play and what would the loan fee be, etc. But as an experiment, if if we needed a bit of creativity in the midfield, which I still think we will do because Gilfie Sigurdsson, at the end of the day, he is playing well, but we know we can kind of go off the boil. I don't think he's the most reliable player ever. I'm very pleased he's doing well. It has, it has added to our side, uh, picked up a couple of goals recently, but I, I can't trust Gomez to come in for him. Um, if, if he has to be rested, we do know the fixtures are still coming thick and fast. I don't think it's the end of the world, but as you mentioned, Osprey is going to loan him to him, uh, loan him to us even. Maybe not. We saw with Romero in the summer. Uh, apparently we wanted him, we wanted to come, but United didn't want to sell him uh, purely because we were a rival for the, the kind of, well, they saw us as a rival for those top six positions. I, I'd personally like to see it just because I can't see Sigurdsson's run of form lasting forever. And outside of him, in terms of a creative midfielder, I really don't think we have a lot. I don't think Gomez is really up to it at all um, recently, and I, I'm not sure I can see his form picking up. And even then, he's not the same player as Gofi Sigurdsson. Gofi Sigurdsson is, of course, that more... Forward, um, well, forward. He is an attacking midfielder at the end of the day. And I'm not really sure what role Gomez has in the side at the moment. But for me, I don't think it's it would be that bad of a deal if he came in on loan. And then on, in terms of permanent, that's the problem. If we wanted him on a permanent, it's because he's played well. But then we know what Levy's like to negotiate with. So I can't really see that going well. But as I mentioned, in terms of that kind of bolstering the attack midfield, because I think... If we do get Gabamin, Touchwood, apparently he is still around Finch Farm. If we do get him back, we get Allen back from injury at a similar time. We've got to Corey. In terms of defensive midfield, or box-to-box at least, I think we're pretty sorted is that kind of creative midfield role that we are lacking. And that kind of segues us into another player who has been linked quite a while ago now. Isco from Real Madrid hasn't been in the most favour, but interestingly enough was the reason that James Rodriguez fell out of favour at Real Madrid uh, where Zidane kind of favoured Isco in that third midfielder role uh, there has been talk about permanent deal there has been talk about a loan similar to the James Rodriguez deal 
what would you make about Isco coming in the uh, January transfer window, Terry? Um, when when this first came out, I was um, I was more up for it because we you know we just had um, Hamez come into the team. Hamez you know was pre injury because we you know we haven't seen him for a while, so it's easy to you know to get used to him not being in the team now. When it first came out, we, you know, I was like, well, it worked for Hammers. Everyone thought Hammers was going to struggle to adapt and he's just, you know, bossing it. And I was, I was, you know, up for it. I thought, you know, well, let's see if, if Carlo can get a tune out of him. He's 28. Um, you know, he clearly seems to want the immediate impact players. I don't have to say he's going to buy a load of 35 year olds, but like a 28 year old of his quality level, you still get, you know, years and years out of him if you get it right. But as time's gone on, and I've looked at the you know the way things have gone. Is is he what we need? It was he would he just be another Sigurdsson? Like Sigurdsson's turned it around a lot now. You know he seems to be playing well, but he's still clearly going to be on that list of you know we'll take we'll take an offer for him if one comes in when it comes to the summer. I think Carlos just make getting use out of everyone he's got. I don't think there's any long term plans for players like that. It just feels like we'd be adding an even more expensive Sigurdsson into the squad. Just for the record, I mean, it's it's going to kill the segment a little bit. I don't think we'll do any business. I think um, I think they're planning to just use the squad they've got. Unless something was to come about that was a total surprise, like a player who's on their radar suddenly becomes available, you know, like, that they didn't expect, then I think they might move. But I think right now they're not making plans to bring anyone in and they're going to do it summer by summer. Whether that's right or that's wrong, I don't know. But I don't think a, a move for someone like Isco is going to be high priority in this window because, you know, what what would he what would he really? He'd have to be incredible. He'd have to come in and be, you know, oh, we we had to get him. He was he was too good because if he comes in and just settles in and he you know he's he's sort of he doesn't set the world on fire, then you've got a really expensive second Sigurdsson, haven't you? And, that's what we want to get away from. I think Hamez and Allen were different, you know, matters altogether. They immediately went in the team and changed the way the team played. I don't think we need Isco in that regard. I think what they want to do is bring in a, a more solid centre midfielder and probably in the summer to go into a middle three to let the front three really cut loose. I don't think we're going to be looking for a, a Deli Ali or an Isco personally. Yeah, I'm not too convinced by the potential sign of Isco. Okay, yeah, as you mentioned, 28, it's not a bad age by any means. He's not like kind of coming towards the end of his career, probably in the prime. But I, I, I can't see us maybe moving on a permanent for him at all in January. I can't see us moving for anyone necessarily permanent in January. Just, um, I mean, we already knew that money was a stretch back in the summer. We then went on a decent spending spree. I think Carlo's probably fairly happy with the squad he's got. Uh, but if I was going to strengthen in the midfield, I'd much favour a loan move for Deli Ali just until the end of the season than I would any kind of permanent move for Isco. Uh, I, can't, I can't see that kind of financially making any sense. And as you mentioned, would he end up making that instant impact? Of course, we didn't think Hammers would, but instantly he did. Slightly different players, though, at the end of the day. I'm, I'm not sure we really have a necessity. And then we are just going to be overloaded with midfielders. I think if we do bring in a player like Isco, yes, I, I, I didn't think it would be the end of the world if we bring in Deli Ali on loan, but... After Isco, you know, we've still got players like Tom Davis, who, of course, they've started recently, but not started all the time. It's great kind of continuing adding quality to the squad, but you can't just end up with a massive squad when you haven't got anyone going out the door. Um, but it, it is interesting with the loan discussions. Of course, we do have Robin Olsen on loan and just a rumour I kind of want to touch on here. Um, there are rumours we want to make that into a permanent deal. 
maybe because of the the loan restrictions, you can only loan so many players in a season. I think his contract runs out at Roma at the end of this season, I believe, in the summer. Um, so would that make any sense to you bringing on Olsen on a permanent, which frees up loan moves for potentially Deli Ali or someone like that? Um, have we have we got another loanee other than him? Um, not not that I can think of. Maybe they're just aiming for two loans. I think that's the maximum we can have. Yeah, it'd be a strange one. I wouldn't be offended by it because, as you say, it'd be a, you know a small amount because it's not once at Roma clearly, and you know the he, he to them is like you know some of the players we've got. You know, take a small amount for him just because we want him off the box. He's not in our plans, but you know. Doesn't mean he's not wanted here. If if that does come about, then it clearly means they've had a good look at him and they, they like what they say, which is the opposite of what happened when Lossel come in. Lazel or whatever you say it. You know, they've had obviously two managers have had a look at him and not give him a debut yet. So there must be something badly going wrong there. I personally would prefer us not to sign Olsen because if we didn't, it would mean that we've got more of a chance of buying a new first choice keeper in the summer which is what I think what we should do and would be one of our most important positions to add in. And if that makes Pickford number two, so be it. But if you bring it, if you buy a new number two goalie, it doesn't rule out the possibility of buying a new number one, but it makes it less likely because you don't want to be, you know, buying another one. Then you have four goalkeepers. And then, you know, if you buy, if you, if you, if you're buying Olsen, and even, even if you let Lazel go, Alton's not going to be third choice, is he? You know, why would he move here if he's just going to be third choice? He's being brought in with the idea that he's either going to be number one or number two. And I'd like a little bit better than Alton to be the new number one long term. This season, I'd be fine with him because I've I've made my mind up on Pickford, but I'd, I'd prefer to go into the summer and get a new number one and either sell Pickford or if you can't sell him, bench him and then, you know, just have a kid as number three. I don't know. Or, you know, whatever. But... It wouldn't offend me, but it'd send a message to me that we're not going to replace Pickford, so we're less likely to replace Pickford, which which would which would make me sad, frankly. Yeah, I mean, I'd be disappointed in that, but maybe that's exactly the message they're trying to send. Maybe the club does still have a lot of faith in Pickford. We've heard Ancelotti support him on multiple occasions, but clearly they do like Olsen. Uh, Ancelotti is giving him minutes uh, in, in like games like the Newcastle game. Uh, played against United in the Cup as well. So clearly the club do fancy him. Whether they think a permanent move would be ideal, we're not sure. Of course, it is speculation. I, I mean, I'm quite happy just sticking with the loan until the end of the season. I'm not sure why we'd have to rush to make a permanent deal. It's not like we're going to become you know, loan FC. We're not just going to bring in loads of loan players. Maybe if we do want Deli Ali, we, we might look to someone else, but I think that that's highly unlikely. I, as I mentioned, I would personally take Deli Ali on loan, but then I think we wouldn't be breaking any squad registration rules at that point. But then... A player that we're going to have to mention, a lot of debate on Twitter. It's going to be a hard no for me just immediately. But Diego Costa, his contract has been terminated at Atletico Madrid. Uh, kind of linked with every Premier League club under the sun at the moment. Terry, would you, would you take Costa at Everton? No, not now. It's been a long time since he was the Costa that everyone knows. I think people got a little bit of um, rose-tinted glasses with that one. He was absolutely quality when he was at Chelsea but that was ages ago he's just had his contract terminated he, he he's not going to come here like he, well, he'd be coming here to not play frankly anyone we we've, we're going to end up with a little bit of Harry Kane syndrome now where Calvert-Lewin is so cemented as the number one choice that you're going to struggle to get other strikers to come here just to sit on the bench 
And if you're Diego Costa, who's just had his contract terminated, and like, we'll have a pick of a lot of clubs, you're going to go somewhere that'll start. Yeah, you're not going to come here. But I don't think he's, you know, I, yeah, he's not what we need. We we need to get away from signing these really old finished players, who everyone remembers being good from years ago, but they probably not got it now. So no, we probably be better than Tosin, but that's not even guaranteed. And that's that's dodgy. You, I want I want our next striker to be a clear cut, much better than Tosin, not someone who does a debate over. Put it that way. Yeah. There's a there's a reason his contract's been terminated at you know his home club. That that's clearly not a, a return that's gone well for him. I think his legs are completely gone. He's not going to work in the Premier League, so it's an absolute no for me. Yes, we don't really have a backup striker other than Cheng Tosun, who it still gives me shivers down my spine when he comes on, um, and you know in the last minute for a last ditch attempt. But no, I, I can't see Diego Costa coming. I can't see the club even vaguely being interested in him. He, he demand a high wage. There's rumours that he might go to Wolves. It's kind of that short-term replacement for him and Ez, which I think would make a lot more sense. They are just without a striker there currently. Um, but there are rumours he might might go to the MLS as well. I can't see that one happening. Uh, kind of just to round off as well, there's a, there's a few players. He hasn't actually been linked with us yet, but Milik from Napoli, I'm not going to claim to know anything about him, but he is available. I think his contract runs out in the summer. I think he's worth. I think he's available for 15 million this January. It's kind of a more of a broad question. Do you think we need to be bringing in a, a striker this January and then, or maybe after? Um, if we can get rid of Tosin, I think if we can get rid of Tosin, we will bring someone in. Um, that applies to a lot of positions in the squad, but not before because we're not going to, like you touched on, we're not going to carry this massive squad when and just pile up the players. If West Brom or someone come calling for Tosin, then we might make the move for Milik. And or and even then it's not guaranteed because you know they can always move Richarlison in for cover if they need to. Um, but if they want him, which they might, because he's you now he's ex Napoli and he gets linked an awful lot. A bit like Alan last January, like it was they were I know the Italian press got loads wrong, but the the constantly linked us with Alan and he did eventually come. There's no rush because we're not crying out for a striker. We've got one and we've got a cover one, whether you like him or not. So we could happily just sit and wait for him to come out of contract and bring him here if he really wants to come here. But if we were to move a player on, then that might change the, you know, the second the situation. But at the minute, I, I don't see anyone coming in unless someone was to go out. So it's one in, one out. Dead man's boots in the squads. We can't carry any extra players. So if you get rid of, and that doesn't even count, Balassi and Bezic, I think they don't even count. So you'd have to get rid of Tosin for the striker. You'd have to get rid of, I don't know, Sigurdsson, for example, for another midfield, for Deli Ali, say. And I don't think any of that's going to happen. Not this window. Yeah, the only potential outcome I can really see is Bernard. He has been linked with Roma before. I'm not sure if that, that rumour is still about. I think it's been mentioned a couple of times in terms of January. I can see him leaving whether it's in January or in the summer, clearly he's not massively in favour. He comes on as a sub every now and then. Hasn't had the impact that Ancelotti clearly wants him to make. So I, I can't see him staying for long. Whether that is he leaves on loan, he is on a very high wage, of course. Um, but he, he was a free transfer at the time. It did seem like maybe, maybe a no-brainer. And he, he was decent for like that kind of first half of the season, but he definitely has tailed off. Um, by no means the, the, the favoured left winger. And as we saw... Richardson was out. Gordon came in for him instead. Didn't exactly set the world alight, but I don't really think he was given too long to do that. Clearly, Ancelotti's keeping, you know, quite a quite a short lead on him. Um, not wanting to get him out there too early. Uh, but Bernard's clearly not in favour of the club. I can see him leaving whether it's in January or 
the summer. Do you, do you agree with that, Terry? Yeah, he's one of the bigger earners, and he's he's not playing, is he? Let's be honest. That I think um, Ancelotti's had a good look at the squad, and he's decided that he can use Sigurdsson. You know, he can use Gomez, but he doesn't seem to turn to Bernard, does he? So those big earners, who, who I don't think it is players, and when the time comes, they'll be replaced when he st- strips the squad back. I think Bernard will be one of the first gone because he's turning to Gordon over him, which he was in the post-lockdown, first lockdown games and against Sheffield United. It means he sees Bernard as, as just surplus, doesn't he? It's, you know, it wasn't like he used Gordon because Bernard wasn't fit. Bernard came on and did better than him, but was he worth probably 10 times the wage? I doubt it. Yeah, can see him leaving, but that brings us to the end of this kind of transfer speculation. Uh, back in the channel today with another preview for games coming thick and fast in this winter period. Joined today again by Terry McAllister. We're going to be offering our thoughts on the squad, how we think we might line up, how we think our form is going to be coming out of that really busy December that's obviously ended up very well for us. We will touch on that briefly. And then going into our January, a few games that are coming up is going to be a difficult run again, but let's hope we can get some players back fit. So we'll kind of start off with Carlo's press conference, of course. We've had a quite a significant injury crisis. Four of our probably starters are out. Alan, Luca Dean, Hamas Rodriguez, and uh, Richardson, of course, with a concussion. It sounds like Richardson's back for the West Ham game. Uh, Luca Dean uh, will not be. Apparently, he's going to be back in training next week. Hamas Rodriguez still out, but Carlos hoping he might be back for the FA Cup game. Uh, we'll touch on that a bit as well. And Alan, maybe the end of uh, January. So, Terry, just start off. What, what was your reaction to that injury news today? I mean, it, it's good news, isn't it? I mean, I think a lot of people expected Richarlison to be back quickly because, you know, concussion, it's, you know, concussion protocol. Um, you know, it, it, brilliant that, the, you know, the club definitely, definitely, you know, should always adhere to that, but it's not a long-term thing, is it? It doesn't, it, I mean, it's a bad time to get one in December when games pile up, but, you know, with a twist of, you know, fate, we've um, not had the City game, so when that's rearranged, you know, Richarlison won't be concussed anymore, so he won't have. He'll only have missed the Sheffield United game. Uh, he's massive, massive. He's one of our, you know, most potent players. Um, Luca Dean, although doesn't really help, you know, help us in this game. That's fantastic news. Just you know, getting him back a lot quicker than expected. Um, I think you know, judging from what Carlo said, he's been quite surprised with his like, you know, pace of recovery. He's he's back quicker than they expected, but. At, at the minute, the, the team has, has really stepped up. You know, like some of the games haven't been pretty, especially the Sheffield United game. But you know, the likes of Awobi, you know, Ben Godfrey, they've they've come into the team and done an excellent job. So we haven't really suffered yet without those players. Yeah, and kind of moving on to West Ham because of course we've we've definitely had an injury crisis. I don't think that's deniable. They seem like they have their, their full squad fit. They did have a few issues with COVID uh, a bit earlier in the season, but they seem all right now. But that hasn't really reflected in their form in the last four games. Uh, they haven't won, losing the Chelsea drawn with Palace and Brighton, and then getting a decent result against Southampton, of course, they were doing very well. Uh, but a nil-nil draw there, so not not the best run of form. They're having a fairly average season, all in all, but as we know in this league, a few wins together over the back of the league again. Uh, in, in terms of confidence, Terry, how, how are you feeling going into this? Um, you know what? I don't know, because... 
you know, Moyes has surprised a lot of people there. Like he's, he came in in the summer and uh, sorry, he went going into the season in the summer. A lot of their fans were, you know, overly excited by what was to come. You know, like the, you know, their their board so great to Garner, who was like. He reminds me a lot of the way we were with Luckman. Like a lot of fans liked him and wanted him to do well, but you know, he, he left and they haven't really missed him. But Moise is doing what Moise does. He's he's got them organised. He's got them, you know, hard work, and he's settled on a pretty much more or less settled on an eleven. Uh, he's playing three four three, which I never saw him play at Everton. But that way, he's learned that well. He's been since he's been gone. But he, you know, he's got a good eleven players there, good 11, 12 players, and he's he's sort of relying on them. Um, as long as he can keep them fit, I think they'll, they'll have a, a decent season. Especially when you consider like staying up was the target before they came into the season. Um, the only th- that's the good side of Moise, like the you know the hard work, the doggedness, they're being hard to hard to beat. The bad side of Moise is coming out as well, though, and I think it's exacerbating their fans a little bit. He strangles creative players. That he's had say Ben Rama um, at the club since the that sort of mini transfer window for domestic um, deals. He brought him in in that window and he's hardly played him. And when he has played him, he's given the shortest of short leashes. He hasn't really given him a proper chance and he's you know got the potential to be a really good player for them because he seemingly, because he doesn't run enough, Moyes is not, um, is not sticking with him. So that's a good thing for us because I think we'd have more trouble with the likes of him than we will with uh, other players and I'm not mentioning any names because they'll bite me on the arse and score if I do. Um, but Ben Rama's a really good player and the fact that seemingly Moyes doesn't seem to trust them just yet is a good thing for us. But this might be a hard game for us anyway because they will match our work rate because David Moyes' teams are not they're not lazy. They don't play if they're not lazy. If you don't run, you don't play for David Moyes. Yeah, Safi game. I'm I'm concerned about. We know how hard they work, as you've alluded to there, uh, and as you mentioned before as well. I think staying up was the target. As I said, I said before, they're having an average season. They are only six points off us now. That's how close the table is between tenth and fourth and above. Of course, uh, in terms of the quality of performance, I mean, we can expect. We have gone through uh, gone through December with playing very, very decent sides, kind of operating with that low block that Ancelotti wanted to play. We, we know the kind of setup that David Moyes is going to have. He's going to have a very hard work inside. They're going to be happy to come and defend and then play on the counter-attack, as we have done, especially uh, in the last month. So definitely something we should expect. And as well, injuries is going to be massive again. We can't just rely, keep talking about injuries, because of course, as I met, we've had a brilliant month. A lot of players have stepped up, but in terms of you know, comparing how many players were missing. I think they're really missing Masuaku. I'm not sure if David Moyes has done his press conference yet. Okay, we have had a good break, but uh, haven't not having to play City, of course, they did play uh, in that game week. But again, it's kind of a crazy time to play football at the moment with different, well, the pandemic in general, a lot of COVID outbreaks going on. So we'll be lucky if this game goes ahead as well. There has been talks of this two-week circuit breaker, which... Is that I don't think it's going to happen because fixtures need to get played at the end of the day. But uh, as I said, I think it's going to be quite quite an unpredictable game. We know well, we know which how the teams might set up, but we don't know what the result might end up being. But Terry, who can you see maybe starting for us? We've had a very similar start eleven for quite a while now, but maybe with Richardson coming back, who are you going to see drop out? And then, do you think we'll uh, keep going with a similar setup that we have been? Yeah, I, I think. Um... 
the same eleven as Sheffield United, except Gordon will come out for Richarlison. I think the game where you've rather seen the rotation probably would have been the City game, but that hasn't happened, so there's no there's no need to do it now. We've had a decent, you know, rest or like a normal rest between games now. Um, accidentally, I think City you would have seen, you know, Tosin and and Bernard and and everyone start, whereas now we've got those extra days in the tank. I think we'll just see the same team. We'll just crack on then into January until we get injured players back. Yeah, and you mentioned uh, Ben Rama before, play, saying a player that you know he can be dangerous. He did have a brilliant season last season in the Championship, but has been fairly kept on the lease so far. Who are you most worried about coming up against in this West Ham side? So if you really, Jared Bowen's a good player, um, but he's on that he's on their right hand side, which means he's against Ben Godfrey, who's in a you know a really good run of form for us. That doesn't mean he, you know that Bowen won't do anything, but I'm comfortable with Ben Godfrey at left back. Where I worry about West Ham having better quality than us is in centre midfield because we've got Allen injured, and although Davies had a really good game against um against Sheffield United and Decore's in a good run of form. I worry about um, Thomas Suchek. Thomas Suchek's a really good player for them. Um, going both ways. Box, he's an, it's an overused question, but he's a proper box-to-box midfielder going forward. And defensively, he's really good. So it sounds a bit weird to say a centre midfielder is the danger man, but it's where we're weak and it's where they're strong. So centre, Suchek and centre midfielders, what worries me more than anything? Yeah, especially with the way that West Ham might set up. He's had a, he's had a brilliant season so far. Uh, I think I probably agree as well. Jared Bowen's done very well, probably slightly better than some people expected. Uh, going forwards, if they are going to play on the counter-attack, we, we don't exactly know how they're going to set up. But looks to be a very dangerous player, I think. I think we've kind of got rid of that cliche now that we do struggle against big centre-forwards. Uh, Haller, he's not playing well at all. Uh, Yarmolenko, I'm, I mean, I'm going to be made to eat my words there, but uh, Yarmolenko's come back into their side as well, who's a player who... I mean, obviously, I'm always concerned about him scoring against us since, you know, we signed him for about four years in a row. Um, but he, he hasn't been in a brilliant run for me either. But again, as we mentioned, David Moyes is going to set them up very strongly. It's going to be, of course, similarly to the Sheffield United game, I think. Obviously, West Ham have a lot more quality. But coming up against a fight inside in, a, in a, a run of fixtures like this one, it's always going to be difficult regardless of the quality of who's going forwards or who's defending. If you have a team that's going to be hard working, you know, set up like David Moyes likes to set them up, then... On any day, I think we could struggle, but I think overall I'm fairly com- confident going into the game, coming off a brilliant run of form, as I mentioned. Uh, Terry, have you got any kind of predictions for the uh, what you think might happen? I'm going to play it safe, to be honest. I'm going to go for a 1-1. Yeah, I think it could be a very close game, you know, considering quality, everything that's going on. quality of the games this time of year drops dramatically, and they're a much better team than Sheffield United are, so I think... Uh, I think we could be on for the draw here yeah, just because, you know, eventually we're going to pull up, pull up a blank because this 11 players that we've got to choose from suits playing the more expansive teams because it's more set up to counter-attack, whereas the other t- to play another team who are also, you know, well-drilled and set up to counter-attack might, you know, be too similar and bump up against each other. So I, it seems defeatist or it seems like, oh, you know, should be looking to win, I think, 1-1. Yeah, especially with, of course, we know Ben Godfrey and Mason Hallgate have played very well. However, they aren't natural fullbacks, And we saw that a lot of the time against Sheffield United, against a team who are going to defend. Maybe they don't provide the, the width of a natural fullback like Coleman, who, who could come back into the side. Of course, Hallgate's doing very well. Um, but 
to be honest, when he's back, I'd like to see that kind of natural fullback in that role, especially against a side like West Ham at home, uh, to provide the width, to provide the overlap um, for Iwobi, who I'd imagine be playing on the right, who recently in a great run of form, but I think suits when he comes inside a lot more than if he stays out wide. Um, other than that, that that would be the only change I'd make, bringing Coleman back in. I'm not sure who I'd take out over Yerimino or Michael Keane, though, because um, I'd, I'd want to put Mason Holgate centre-half. Uh, to be fair, I, I I would have said Mina, but Mina's been doing very well for the past few weeks. So I think it's fairly 50-50 between him and Michael Keane. In terms of my prediction, I, I'm going to go for a 2-1 win purely because of the run of form we are in. I think momentum's everything at this stage in the season. And I, th- I think we can probably keep it going. I can see us conceding. Um, but if they score really, we will make it very difficult for ourselves, I think, especially with us being the home side. But that's pretty much it. And for the podcast listeners, that brings us to the end of all of our video segments. There is no quiz today uh, because it is just myself and Terry. Uh, but thank you all very much for uh, listening. And if you are a YouTube viewer as well, I want to say you know, a massive thank you for um, the channel has just hit 1 million total views, which is a, something we're all really pleased with. So thank you all very much uh, for all of your support on the podcast and across the YouTube videos as well. Um, in terms of a song, I think I, I think I decided we can leave that up to... John, the man that's kind of behind the scenes, you've, you've probably never heard of him, uh, but he is basically the man that organises this all. Of course, we have just hit one million, as I mentioned. So as a thank you to John, who I'm sure will be editing this, we'll, we're going to let you pick the song, so you're hearing the song, me and Terry don't know it yet. Um, but So that's basically it for the end of the podcast, we hope you definitely enjoyed. As I said, thank you for all your support, it is very much appreciated. Uh, thanks to Terry for joining me on today. Uh, thanks to Owen and Stephen for their contributions to the uh, Sheffield United Extra Time video. Uh, and that brings us to the end. Don't want to waffle on too long. So thank you all very much for listening. And join us next time on the Topic Road.
I'm just feeling celebration tonight. Celebrate, don't wait too late. No, you don't stop. You can't stop. We're gonna celebrate one more time. One more time. One more time. A celebration. No, we're gonna do it all right tonight. Hey, just feeling music's got me feeling the need, need. Yeah, come on, alright, we're gonna celebrate one more time. Celebrate and dance so free. Music's got me feeling so free. Celebrate and dance so free One more time Music's got me feeling so free We're gonna celebrate Celebrate and dance so free One more time Music's got me feeling so free We're gonna celebrate Celebrate and dance so free One more time Music's got me feeling so free We're gonna celebrate Celebrate and dance so free One more time Music's got me feeling so free We're gonna celebrate, celebrate and dance so free. One more time, you just got the feeling so free. We're gonna celebrate, celebrate and dance so free. One more time, you just got the feeling so free. We're gonna celebrate, celebrate and dance so free. One more time, you just got the feeling so free. We're gonna celebrate, celebrate and dance so free. One more time, you just got me feeling so free. We're gonna celebrate, celebrate and dance so free. One more time, you just got me feeling so free. We're gonna celebrate. One more time, you just got me feeling so free. We're gonna celebrate.